Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. This morning I want to get straight into the Word of God. We're up to the fourth shift out of five prophetic shifts out of the reset word I brought in lockdown. And I'm not going to go back over and cover all the other three this morning. I want to get straight into the fourth one today. And I want to talk to you this morning about moving from a copycat way of doing life to becoming innovative and creative with the God that you serve. And uh, this is pretty important for us to be able to grab a hold of this morning because it's not wrong that it's not wrong in the sense that at times there are models there are things that have been invented created that God has laid upon people's lives that we're quite happy to follow into and copy that but what we've got to always remember is that with inventiveness and innovation there is always a original spark an original flame And you can copy something that's been created and invented, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to carry the same spark and the same flame. Sometimes it's like, let's all go in this direction and let's follow this great big candle that's been lit and we all run into the room, but none of us have got our candles lit. And we're all standing around because we're not connected to the original flame, if you know what I mean. And that's the danger of the copycat way of doing life is that we the original spark and flame. And so I want to talk about this today. Let's start by defining the key phrases. The, to innovate means this, to make changes in something established. Uh-oh, danger right there. To make changes in something established, especially by introducing new methods, ideas, or products. Woe unto us if we change anything, amen. So we've all heard it before. You've probably spoken it. If only my boss was open to new ideas, the workplace would be so much more enjoyable. You know where you live in a workplace where, I'm sorry, but this is the way we do it around here, and we've always done it around here. For the last 200 years, we've done it around here. Don't you go think you can go changing things around here. And so your workplace becomes a very sterile environment, predictable, dull, and boring. (laughs) Who do you work for? (laughs) And to innovate means that there's got to be an atmosphere and an environment that's permission-giving, that is open to change, that's open to new ideas. And obviously some of the greatest inventions that have been brought into this world have happened because there is a permission-giving environment to think about things differently rather than it's always been done this way. You know, in business, innovation is absolutely essential. 84% of all CEOs globally that were surveyed said that innovation is crucial to the ongoing development of their business or whatever they are in charge of. And without innovation, there will not be a business. And the world is changing so rapidly. If we don't innovate and change with the world when it comes to business, 
then we're in trouble. And I believe in the same way, the Church of Jesus Christ this morning, we need to be open. No matter how long you've been a Christian, no matter how long you've done things a certain way, that we need to be open to the creativeness, the inventiveness of the Holy Spirit, whose ways are past finding out. He's always got some new bright spark ideas because he's the original idea maker. He's the original one that uh, breathed into Adam who became a living soul and brought life to that dead dust and can bring life into your environment, your atmosphere, your family, your business, your relationship with God, your church. We need the innovative power of the Holy Spirit. Can somebody give me an amen this morning? You know, some recent innovation ideas. LG have just produced a TV. So you probably can't see the angle. You see, she's bending that TV off the wall. So now to solve the problem of portability on big screens, you just roll up your screen and head off. Isn't that cool? It'll probably cost you a fair bit of dollars like all innovation does, but that's cool. I think I'll go on holiday. I'll just roll up my 55-inch screen and head off onto holiday. Or uh, this is a good one for people who have to wear suits. The Ludlow Traveler, a new suit that has been created. Pretty cool-looking, suave-looking dude up there doing the modeling. Um, it's a suit that you never have to ever get dry cleaned or iron. You can chuck it into your bag and then you can pull it out, give it a quick shake and all the creases are gone. So that's uh, quite innovative and quite handy. Save a few dollars in dry cleaning bills. That would be a great suit to have. Some rumple proof technology. Amen. So the general... The general feel of, of, of both business and church environment is that no innovation equals no growth. That's the same for your personal life. If you're not prepared to make changes when changes are required, then you won't grow. You know, God's got lots of ideas for you. But sometimes he can't penetrate it through our nice little skull. I was going to say thick skull. Most of us have got a pretty thick skull. It's got to house all that brain power in there. But to be open to change and innovation, then we've got to open our attitude and get ready not just to follow blindly and copy everything that's been placed in front of us. If we're living a life of copycat ideas and there's never an original idea, then there's something missing both in our personal relationship with God and also in the lifestyle that we're living. It can become pretty predictable and pretty boring. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I've got, you know, a weekly date for my wife at 7.30, Tuesday nights, every night for the last 50 years. And I'll never change it. We'll go to the same restaurant with all of the same menu off the item. But, you know, uh, that sounds like a really exciting date night, doesn't it? You know? Viv's just looking at me with that look and her, yeah, well, one date would be nice, honey. <laughs> so the reset we want to talk about today is to move from the copycat way of doing life to being innovative. And it's simply true. If we don't innovate, we end up copying. We live a life of copying everybody else. We become followers instead of leaders. 
We lose creativity and we often become boring and we can enter the danger zone of boxing out innovation and becoming boxed in by tradition. When you box out innovation, you're going to box yourself into tradition. What's tradition? We've always done it this way. And so, you know, Thomas Edison, how many of you heard of this guy, Thomas Edison? Thomas Edison, uh, born in the mid-1800s, was an incredibly entrepreneurial guy. And he was the guy that was the first man to ever uh, create an industrial complex that was dedicated to making new inventions. What a way to live your life, eh? Uh, But he wasn't all hot air. He, He invented some incredibly powerful things. He invented the phonograph, which eventually led to people being able to make and store music. He, he, um, he was the, one of his first inventions because he was a telegraph operator and he got frustrated at the speed of the dashes and the dots. He must have been a bit of a character because his first two kids, you know, telegraph was communicated by a series of dashes and dots. And so his first two kids, he nicknamed them Dash and Dot. That was the nickname he gave to his kids. So he was right into, you know, his inventions. But he invented a way of being able to grab the sound from the telegraph and convert it into a printed sheet of information, which made it a lot faster to be able to receive a message from a long way away. He invented the incandescent light bulb. He didn't actually invent the light bulb, but he invented the filament inside the light bulb that enabled the electric light bulb to be a worldwide phenomenon and global hit. And by the way, on the innovative side, did you realize that churches were one of the first people that got on board with the electric light bulb. Do you know why they did that? Because they changed their services to the evening service and they filled their buildings with electric light bulbs so everybody would come who'd never seen an electric light bulb come to church so they could see the light bulbs in action. What a great way of getting people into church. I thought that was quite innovative. And uh, so he, he had a whopping 1,093 patents that uh, he registered with the government of the USA. And he would never admit that something couldn't be done. So how does this relate to an inventor in the 1800s to a 21st century church? Friends, the way I see it right now is that the church in many ways is up against the greatest challenge of our time. Population base has started to rapidly grow around the world, not so much in the West, but in the Eastern Hemisphere. We've moved pretty much in 10 to 15 years from 6 billion to knocking on the door of 8 billion people around the world now. And approximately 6 billion of those are going to a lost eternity. That's a lot of people. We have a big job in front of us and we're not going to get it done if we always do what we've always done. Because if you always do what you've always done, you're going to get what you've always got. Is that good Irish for you this morning? And so by the Holy Spirit, God wants to breathe innovative ways and means and ideas and methodologies into the church of Jesus Christ in order that we could win some to Jesus and see the 8 billion, the 6 billion left to come to Christ being whistled down one day at a time around about the world. We're certainly not going to do it if we're just going to be copycats with no spark and no flame. 
because other people are doing it this way. God wants some of you in this congregation today to rise with fresh, new, innovative ideas and methodologies in order to touch your neighborhood for Jesus Christ today. We don't know how to do it, but he does. He knows everything, and he's got incredible. God is an innovative God. Amen? And, uh, you know, I think, have you seen, some of you have seen, you know, David Attenborough is in his 90s, and he's still going strong. The amazing thing I always find about David Attenborough is that he's declared he's himself as an atheist. And I watch his programs, and I think, mate, have you watched your program lately? Because <laughs> if you watched your own program lately, you might actually realize that there is a highly intelligent creator behind what you're, so let's have a look at some of these creatures that have been found. There's that's a scary-looking spider at the top left hand there, isn't it? But what an amazing beauty. Look at that. That's incredible. These sea creatures in the middle and on the, the right-hand side with the funny-colored frog there as well, these other ones here, they're, they're still finding new species of sea creatures all around the world, thousands upon thousands of them with incredible creative shapes and colors and sizes. How about the next slide? <laughs> That's me on a bad day. Don't come near me. I'm looking very grumpy. <laughs> Look at those colors. Aren't they incredibly inventive and innovative? How about the next one? That's it. Good. Praise God. You know, I, I think if you just need to take a look at the innovative side of God and creation. And I think of the solar system that he's put us in. That God had in his mind, you and I, but to put us in a place where we could live, we needed it to be warm enough to ripen our tomatoes in the summer, but not too cold that in the winter the planet freezes over. So he, he creates this sphere that travels around this star called the sun. And once uh, one orbit of that sun equals one year or 365 days, and he said they'll need to sleep, so I'm going to spin it so that one half of that sphere is in darkness so they can have some rest and go to sleep, and the other half of it is in light. Uh, and I'm going to have to add something else to it because it's actually spinning right now, this planet that you're uh, on today is spinning at 1,670 kilometers per hour. That's how fast the earth is spinning around the sun right now. 1,600, and so that would break a few speed cameras, wouldn't it? Around the sun. So he said, I'll need to create something else so they all stay on the planet. It's called the law of gravity. So they won't all spin off out into outer space. Praise God. And if you, if you look at all of that, you think, what an incredibly inventive, creative God that we serve. Amen? That he has all these ideas that he still wants to unleash upon the church of Jesus Christ. And he's displayed just a, a portion of them in his creative processes. I think of innovation in the Bible where it was often metal on metal, steel on steel, chariot on chariot, crossbow on crossbow, spear on spear. And he says, I'm going to give you the promised land, but you're going to, to get to the promised land, you're going to have to get past this huge fortified city that's got 20 foot thick walls called Jericho. 
and I'm going to give you the city. And so traditional thinking would think, right, we're going to make some catapults. We're going to get some fireballs. We're going to throw them over. We've got to get our archers out, line them all up to take the city. And God says, actually, Joshua, I'm feeling in a bit of an innovative mood today. So here's the battle plan. Here's the battle plan. For the next week, for the next six days, you're going to all get the boys, the mighty warriors, itching for a scrap to walk around. Everybody's zipping it, keeping quiet, silent, once a day, every day for six days. And on the seventh day, I want you to walk around seven times. Not a word. And then on the final circuit... On the seventh round, on the seventh day, I want you all to shout. And the walls are going to come down. I want the trumpeters to trumpet. I want the shouters to shout. And I'm going to give you the city. You know, the thing that stuns me about the strategy is one that Joshua bought into it. I'd be arguing, but when we took the... When we had the battle of AI, we did it like this, God. We, 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 it was very efficient. And you just want us to walk around this, build, this, this walled city for seven days and not say a word, and you're going to give the city to us. What a level of obedience Joshua had to obey Christ and, and, and the, the centrality of that innovative plan and idea. And, of course, it all happened. And archaeologists, by the way, have found parts of the walls of Jericho under the ground. I suggest a bunch of angels had a great time of jumping up and down on that wall and pushing it down into the ground. However God did it, he did it in an innovative way. Or how about Elisha, who's got a school of the prophets. They want to build a new building. And so they get, out, they get out their equipment and one of the disciples of Elisha is chopping down the tree. And his axe head flies off into the lake. And, uh, and so he comes, he comes to Elisha and, he's, and he says to him, where did it go in? He says, somewhere over there. So he gets a stick, throws the stick in the water and the metal axe head floats to the surface and he leans over and picks it up. That's pretty innovative. That's pretty cool. Who would think that throwing a stick in the water would cause metal to float to the surface? Praise God. I think of uh, this morning, I think of Jesus and his incredible innovation. Now, don't try this at home, but he did all sorts of things like spitting in people's eyes, <laughs> making mud cakes with his saliva and putting them in people's eyes, be healed, and the blind were healed. How about when he had, there were five, over 5,000 men, then plus the woman on top of that who had listened to him all day and they were hungry, they were tired. And the disciples said to Jesus, send them, send them to pack and save to get some groceries, Jesus. Because they're all hungry. And, then, and Jesus says to them, you give them something to eat. Now, traditionally, in their heads, they, they were trying to work it out. Or how are we going to do this? Even if we got all this money together, then we'd have to go off to the supermarket, come back, with all this money, we don't know how to do it. And Jesus said, get them to sit down in groups of 50, groups of 100, and, uh, and grab everything, that, all the food that you can get. Five loaves, two fishes later. Jesus prays over the, the food, blesses it, and feeds 5,000 men alone. 
How innovative is that out of five loaves and two fish? You see, tradition boxes us in. Innovation helps us to break out. And innovation helps us to solve problems that the world hasn't been able to solve up until this point. Innovation will help us to solve the rapid decline. New Zealand now has one of the lowest conversion rates to adult Christianity in the world right now. Houston, we have a problem. If we keep doing what we're going to do, the church in New Zealand will disappear. I don't mean to be dramatic about it, but I'm trying to emphasize the point that innovation by the Holy Spirit has to take place. It's got to be the power of God. It's got to be God's ideas coming down to an open, receptive people of God who have said, God, we've tried it our way. We've tried our traditions. We've tried holding on to the things of the past. It's not working. Help! Hallelujah. You know, I remember... um, One of my first mission trips, I was up in the Solomon Islands and uh, I was way out in the, the, I was right up by Bougainville Island and uh, and I was watching these kids play and they had a long stick and they had a circular tin lid with a nail through the center that went into the end of the stick and they were running around playing games, watching the tin lid go around like a wheel on a scooter, laughing, playing joyously together. Because they didn't have much, they had to innovate. That's why Jesus said it's hard for the rich man to enter the kingdom of God because when you think you've got it all, you don't innovate anymore. When you don't have anything, then you've got to find ways and means of getting your toys as these kids did and having a tremendous time of playing together through something very simple. So here's three reasons, I could give you a whole lot more, but for the sake of time, here's three simple reasons why we lose innovation, and at the end of this, I'm going to tell you how you can gain some innovation and some creativity in your life. Don't ever buy into the life, I'm not won't lie, I'm not one of those creative people. How can you say that when the creator of heaven and earth lives inside of you? Every single one of us have a creative element. Because the Creator lives in us. It's just that we've been sold to lie. Oh, there's only a certain select few, 10% of our society that actually are creative. Uh, you know, the designers, the architects, all those people that build stuff, make stuff, invent stuff, make movies, eh, Freddie? All those things. But you see, the truth of the matter is, is that all of us have the ability to innovate because the innovator, yeah. the greatest innovator of all time, lives inside of us. Hallelujah. So the first thing that the reason why we lose innovation and end up living a copycat life is that we get boxed in by the traditions of men. This is what Jesus was headbutting against the whole time of three and a half years of ministry. He was constantly being challenged by the traditionalists of his day, the scribes and the Pharisees who challenged him at every turn and every corner. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think how brave those 120 were on the day of Pentecost. They gathered, A, not knowing really what was going to happen. They had really no idea except for the fact that Jesus told them to wait in Jerusalem. They didn't know what, what was actually going to happen, but they just waited. 
And I don't know how many days she would have been able to last. Day one, man, there's a lot of oxygen in here. Day two, you know, I'm getting annoyed at sister so-and-so because, you know, every time she fires up, there's just like this big siren. Ooh, Lord. <laughs> and then there's sister bucket mouth. Just can't stop talking. We're here to pray. You know, brother chainsaw can't stay awake and keep snoring all the day as we're praying in that 10-day prayer meeting. You know, what courage they had to break with tradition of going to the synagogue and waiting in an upper room for 10 days of prayer. And finally, on the 10th day, the Holy Spirit invaded that place, fell from heaven, Tongues of fire came down upon each one of their heads and the world was changed forever because of that one act of obedience and innovation that God could do something new through a bunch of of people of no reputation. They weren't famous. They were the little people and God changed the world through them. You see, the word institutionalized means this doing the same thing the same way for a long period of time, so much so we cannot see doing it another way. Now, I'm not pretending our church has all the answers because we've got a long, long way to go. Let me tell you that right now. Just being honest with you this morning. And most churches in New Zealand would say we're not institutionalized. But we keep doing the same thing, the same way, every week, week in, week out. We could, sometimes we could predict what was going to happen, take place in the service. And we become dull, boring, and predictable because we have fallen prey to tradition. Instead of asking God, would you like to do something different today, Lord? Yeah, so good. Would you like to break in to our service? We would like that very much, Lord, to break into our service where, where mass healings are taking place. People are falling under the power of God. People are being converted in the meetings. The atmosphere is thick with the glory cloud of heaven. We would say, welcome, Holy Spirit. Innovate all you like. I can remember the, one of the first times I saw the power of God moving en masse where I walked into a meeting I wasn't invited to preach at. I walked in and the pastor was with me. We walked in the door straight onto the stage. The last time he'd been in the building, the stage was at that end of the building and we walked in, the service had already started and the pastor was there. He turned around and said, oh, hello, who are you? So I introduced myself and, uh, and I introduced myself and then I went down and sat down there was about three to 400 Solomon Islanders singing at the top of their lungs. It sounded like I was in heaven. It was absolutely awesome. Solomon Islands is one of the only nations in the world that had a nationwide revival in 1969, 1970, and 1971, wow. where the Holy Spirit moved across every single strata of society in the Solomons. So I'm in this nation, and I'm feeling the anointing and the power of God. And you see, this pastor had to do something this night that he had never done. He was, he was formerly high Anglican. He was a bishop in the Anglican church who got filled with the Holy Spirit, left the Anglican church, and began to start a whole series of about 50 churches right across the Solomon Islands. 
And this was their headquarter church. He had never in 40 years of ministry ever given his pulpit to a stranger. And during the service as we were singing, he kept looking around at me, looking around at me. Like a nervous twitch. (laughs) And then he came over to me while they were still singing and he said, my guest speaker has failed to turn up. And I believe God has sent you to this meeting tonight. I don't know you. I've never, ever done this before in my life. But he said, I'd like to invite you to preach tonight. And I'm thinking, that's great. I've just got my Bible. I've got no sermon notes. I've got nothing else. And in that second of time between making a decision whether I would or I wouldn't, God rifled a message from Joel chapter 2 into my spirit at about 0.5 seconds, the whole message, which is the innovative power of God. I got halfway, I was actually hacked off. I got halfway through preaching this message and I was on a roll. The anointing was there. It was present. I was enjoying this so much. And then suddenly out of all their seats, and this is another way you know you're in a revival church, they had huge altar space. So the altar space in this building was nearly back to the, to the back wall. And all the people were sitting back further back. Because in the revival at the altars, they got altered. That's cool, eh? And so I felt I was playing, I was back in New Zealand playing Bull Rush. All these people just ran towards me. Men on one side, women on the other side, and they just charged the altar like somebody had pressed an internal switch in their lives with no one organizing it, and they ran to the altar weeping, crying out to the Lord, agonies and screams. God, we want more of you. And the power of God swept through that building. And from the back of the church to the front, every single person went down under the power of God. Mothers carrying infants falling on the concrete floor as the power of God hit them. Not one of them being injured. 100 kg guys falling on 60 kg women. I'm watching this carnage happen. I'm going, man, we need to call the medics. This is just, this is just, and I, and I realized that I was part of God's innovative plan that day for the Holy Spirit to begin to move. And you know then what happened after that? Miracles started breaking out. A woman was lying on the ground over here, born with a club foot, bent at right angles. And as she was lying on the ground, the power of God came on her, And all the people, all the people that knew her started screaming and shouting as just waves of God's power began to go through the meeting. Then people began to laugh deliriously as the joy of the Lord began to hit them. Wouldn't you like some of that innovation? (laughs) I just, I tell you what, I just, um, I tear up sometimes just thinking, thinking about it. Um, where's my button? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Meanwhile, in 2020, we're still trying to recover old methodologies that 
You know when Billy Graham came to New Zealand? Now, I respect Billy Graham. I've read his biography. I absolutely love the man. He was a hero of the faith. But the mass crusades of the 1950s just don't work anymore, friends. We need to become more innovative and understand that God's got ways of reaching our neighborhoods, of coming into suburbia and begin to arresting hearts and lives right where we live in our neighborhood to shine our light so all the world can see. Second reason we lose innovation is because we drop our connection with God. It's very simple, friends. It's not rocket science. But when you lose connection with the creator, you lose connection with creativity. And so when we go off the boil, we're no longer connecting in a real and honest and authentic way with the Lord. But we're often just going through the motions or we're actually beginning to drop out and away from our church family, friends, and we're starting to live a worldly lifestyle. Then, friends, a lot of that innovative edge will be lost out of your life because you've lost the connection with the one who's able to create. I think of the conversation that Jesus had with the woman at the well in John uh, 4, chapter 4. He says this, Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Friends, when you drink of the water of relationship with Jesus Christ that he wants to give to you, fresh fountains of creativity, ideas and methodologies will begin to flow into your spirit. I remember in my first pastorate, where I was saying, God, we need to see people get saved. And the Holy Spirit said, I want you to go to this street. I want you to go to this number on this street. And I want you to knock on the door. That's all he told me to do. So I went, I went to the number, went to the house, knocked on the door. And this lovely middle-aged lady, I was only in my 20, early 20s then, she opened the door and she said, come in, young man, would you like a cup of tea? She didn't even ask me to introduce myself. It was like a, a premeditated a creative appointment by the Holy Spirit. I went in there and she said, now what's this all about? What are you selling? (laughs) And so I told her all about Jesus, led it to the Lord right there. And then she said, you know what? I know some other people in my street that would like to hear what you're selling. And she said, shall I get them together and you can come back and talk to them too? So I came back and talked to them and led them to Christ. God has innovative ways and means of us being able to lead people to Christ. We just need to be open enough to it. But there will come a fountain springing up into everlasting life of the flow of the Spirit within our life. New possibilities will begin to happen. The third reason we often lose innovation in our life is because we get stale. We get moldy. We can start. You might say, well, this is, isn't this the same as the last one where you drop your connection? You know what? You can still have a semi-connection with God, but I want to tell you what's happening. You're on autopilot. You're doing the same thing the same way, like regular clockwork. You can still be coming to church. You can still be going to your small group, but you've gotten stale. There's nothing that resembles freshness and vibrancy coming out of your life because you've gone on to autopilot. And when you go on to autopilot within your life, you get stale. And when you get stale, you lose innovation out of your life. There's no new ideas. There's no freshness. 
There's nothing that's creative or new that's springing out of your life. And you know what happens when you get stale? You just copy everybody else. And you become that copycat person. Hallelujah. So what needs to change to break us out of this rut? I want to finish just by looking at a passage in Luke 8 where we see two characters emerge in this real-life story. The first one that emerges is a ruler of the synagogue. What does that mean? If you're a ruler of the synagogue, let let me tell you what that means. That means hundreds of years of tradition. where church has only been done a certain way. And there's no openness to new ideas, new methodologies, because if you're entrenched in Jewish tradition, woe unto you if you change the tradition. So this man's name is Jairus, and the thing that's causing him to step outside his comfort zones and not go to the other leaders in the synagogue to ask for help was that he'd heard about Jesus and his healing power. He'd heard that there was a new way that God was moving in town and he was willing to take a risk at the risk of being divided and separated away from his colleagues and maybe losing his position of power in the synagogue by going with this way out rabbi that seems to be with all these new teachings. And so he comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, my daughter is very sick. She's nearly dead. And Jesus said, I will come to your house and I will heal her. On the way to the house. Now, everybody's following because this guy is someone in the community that everybody knows. So there's a massive crowd following Jesus that day. And as he's bypassing, there's our second character in the story, a woman who had been menstruating for 12 years, bleeding for 12 years nonstop. The Bible tells us she'd gone and used all the traditional methods that she knew to get help. And all she ended up with was an empty bank account. The Bible says she spent all that she had on the doctors of the day. Still no solution for her problem. She too had heard about Jesus and his healing power. And a thought came into her mind. A new thought a thought she had never had before, an innovative thought. If I could just press through this crowd and if I could just touch the hem of his garment as he walks by, I know I'm going to be healed. So what does she do? She sets out on her journey. She will not be denied. She's now carrying this innovative thought within her mind and she's pressing past all the obstacles She's not going to be hemmed in by the traditions of the traditional medical science of her day. And she breaks through and presses through the crowd. She reaches out with her hand and kapow. Literally, we know it's a kapow moment because Jesus stops. He turns around and he says, who touched me? And the Bible says that virtue flowed out of Jesus into somebody who touched him. And the disciples go, what do you mean, Lord? Look at all the people. Everybody's touching. And so the woman comes forward, trembling. And she says, it was me. I touched you. And I know, this is what the scripture says, I know immediately I've been healed. Wow. Thank you, Jesus, that she wasn't boxed in tradition, 
thinking I'm never going to get better. I've tried everything. This is, this is it for me. This is my life. I'm just going to bleed to death. She said, I'm not going to settle for that. There is an answer. There is a way forward. Jesus turns to her. And this is the answer for us, friends, this morning. This is the answer for us to gain momentum and innovation within our life. Jesus turns and says, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you whole. Many instances, Jesus said, only believe. Faith in Jesus Christ. I know this sounds so simplistic, friends. But your faith is like a camera lens, the aperture that when you hit that switch, it opens and suddenly light is able to flood in to develop this photo, this picture, to capture that moment in time. And your faith is exactly like that. If you have no faith, if you have unbelief, Jesus rebuked many often to saying, oh, you of little faith. You see, he said, there's little faith, there's big faith. The centurion that came to him, whose servant was sick, Jesus said, I'll come to your house and heal him. He said, no, 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 I'm a man of authority who's under authority. I understand you are a man of authority, Jesus. You only need to speak the word only, innovation. Come on, this is a Gentile soldier. He's under full innovative mode here. You don't need to lay hands. You don't need to come to my house. All you need to do is speak the word only, and I know my servant is going to be healed. He went back, arrived at home the next day. His other servants ran out and said, Master, Master, did you know that our servant, your servant, has been healed? He inquired what time of the day. It was exactly the same time that Jesus released the word of healing. Do we stand to our feet this morning, church?